Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. No way. Here we go. Oh, this boy. This one. Ready? I want to see the visceral reaction. Oh, collective soul shine. I love this song. I love that song. Wait, you really it's do? so stupid. Yeah, like... <laughs> it's got that weird little, like, thing on the vocal. I used to do that all the time. Like, when something would make me happy, like, if I, like, went into a quickie mart and they had the candy I wanted, I'd pick it up and go... I'd be like, that little collective noise. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. How are you? It is 1999. Can you believe it? Woo! It's really amazing. We started in 1969. It is now 1999 on the 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys podcast. I should note we have an addition. After all the hiking I've been doing in northern New Mexico, uh, 50-Year-Old White Guys with 50-Year-Old Knees. uh, Oh, that's right. And 50-Year-Old Lungs. Uh, it's a longer title, but I think it brings more people in. I don't think that brings more people in, man. <laughs> no, I think it might add some, some pity listens, but... That's not what we're when, looking for. Do you guys remember when Prince's 1999 came out in 1982 and you were yeah. like, well, that's, that's good. That will never get to 1999. Yeah. And now we're looking Forever. back at it. Yeah. It's, well, in 1982, so you were like, well, 2001's a documentary, right? That's going right. to actually happen. That's, that's all right. going to happen. Open uh, the pod pay door, baby. Yeah. So, and we talked last week how we didn't party really like it was 1999. Ben, did you do anything super exciting uh, as, as 1999 turned to 2000? Uh, it was pretty fun. I hung out with, I mean, my brother and a bunch of my brother's friends and Indy and I went up to Nantucket and spent the night up there. It was really okay. fun. Okay. That sounds But fun. I mean, it definitely, we did not like burn the house down. No. Okay. No You're three waiting. blind mice. <laughs> we played three blind mice <laughs> at a lake in Maine. Woo! It was cold um, too. I, I haven't. I mean, I mean, I you know, I grew up in on the East Coast, and but I never felt cold like that. Cold. That was cold. Like, I mean, yeah. there was yeah, there was ice that. I mean, there was ice that had walk had, across that the lake there. ice. Yeah. Good lord! It was so. I just remember shivering everywhere so, we went. <laughs> so I am Tim Plain, uh, Ben Barton. You're in Knoxville. Jeff Simons. You are in Berkeley. I probably should have told you this before we started, like um, itching our noses and stuff. This is going to be our first uh, video podcast. We're actually going to put it up. 
We're gonna. We've got some. Uh, some. <laughs> he's sitting up. No, That's man. not okay, man. You can't spring that on us. Also, why no. don't you freaking shave? Look at your beard. There. You're like man, in a torture basement with. Oh boy. I'm on a break right now. Uh, Jeff Simons. All right, I won't put it on YouTube if that's if that's your attitude. Kevin Brown is indicating that he would like the the one dude sent him the file. Don't put it on publicly. All right, that's a good point. I I definitely think we have faces for podcasts, my friend. I don't think we have faces for video. By the way, you're like short videos on on uh, Twitter are perfect. They don't need the full seven minutes. That's the right amount of embarrassing from me when you do that all right well we've got to get to our grammy winner here on uh 50 years of music this is the grammy winner for 1999 watch ben barton's face wait on pause, this pause, one. pause 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 i did not cheat i didn't look it up but, but i'm sad to report i do listen to our old episodes at some point jeff was like 1999 did. is yeah, the last rock record that's a huge hit so i don't i'm like i'm a little confused about what it might be but let's go ahead and hear it all right <laughs> It's the, it's, yeah. It's that. We'll, we'll wait, we'll wait. It's the Grammy winner. It's the number one hit. Smooth by Santana, featuring Rob Thomas. Oh, come on now. Oh, Pete Santana. Rob Thomas. Rob Thomas. Match box 20. Oh, my Spanish heart on Lisa. My Spanish heart on Lisa. Before that, did he say, I'm on the guitar? Is that what he said? Let's hope so. You could only hope he's playing guitar. Here we go. Wow! By the way, you gave us the life. whole thing. You went all the way to yeah, the yeah. You kept going, it. and the horn solo is bringing it. I just, so, I just wanted to wait till we got to smooth. La- yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a uh, smooth by Carlos Santana with Rob Thomas, I believe. Yes. Well, this uh, is the parentheses featuring Rob featuring. Thomas. So this record, Supernatural, sold 14 million copies which is more copies, I think, than all the previous Santana records put together. Like Santana wow. was like, Santana was at Woodstock. He was part of the Bay Area psychedelic thing. So he was always a name, but he was never really a big seller. Like they had a medium sized hit with Black Magic Woman and Oye Komova in 1970. And then he was just one of those guys that toured in the summer and like the tie dyes would come out like blinking you know, from the bushes and spin around and then go back and wait until the dead came back to town. But this record 
like just like just filled his coffers and catapulted him back into the national consciousness. Well, and how did those tie dyes feel about it? Oh, this is the most annoying record of our adult life. I mean, I hate this record. I hate this record so much because it's the record that people who don't like music bought in 1999. In the 90s, every year had a super record. It had a record that every single American bought and put in their house because it's, you know, they thought they should have a record to listen to every once in a while. And they would buy one stupid CD and that's it. And so every year there's a crazy super record. Hootie and the Blowfish is cracked review. <laughs> one of them the buena vista social club soundtrack everybody got all cuban for a year and this one this was the other big mega everybody with a cd player in their car bought a copy of this record i cannot tell you how many places i went to and heard and everything about this is annoying like it's an attempt to rewrite oya como va and nine to 90s afi it and of all the guys to pick i Freaking hate Rob Thomas's voice. I hated Matchbox Twenty. That's the if it's three a.m. I must be lonely band. Yeah, like I got. I mean, I just and I know I'm I'm just bitter on some level. I I admit that. And wouldn't it be nice to like the thing that everybody else likes? But I just I hated this record from the moment I first heard this single. I was like, I hate this, and it's going to be huge. And you knew, yeah. uh, Ben. So, oh, let me ask you a question: ben. Is this reverse racism? I have pilloried multiple artists for this exact record. When this record came out, I was like, ah, good for Santana. He can use the money. Feel, and I moved on. I just walked away. Like, I with, with Eric Clapton, I consider time. the Eric Clapton thing and the Elton John thing and the Rod Stewart right. thing like yeah. a stab in my eyeball, like a personal <laughs> attack on me. And I really like Santana. Like, Samba Pate Santana, like, yeah. was like a go-to uh, mix for the ladies in college. You know what I mean? Like, that was a real sensitive one. Beautiful. Um, but that being said, when this came out, I wasn't even upset. I was like, yeah, sure. Do your thing, man. So you're saying I'm racist for not liking No, the I'm a reverse racist. <laughs> oh, no. When White Axe so. did it, I was really mad at them. When Santana did it, I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. Here's the thing. I feel exactly the same way about this, too. I actually am happy for... I'm glad Santana had the big payday. He deserves it. He was underappreciated and... He mismanaged his money and, and because he used to go to Redwood High School every year and do a say no to drugs assembly while he was stoned out of his mind. Oh, he is a hilarious so figure exciting. in Marin County, which I just love. I mean, I love that about him. Um, <laughs> so I don't mind the payday, but I really, it's terrible art. It's oh, it's bad. Art. The music is bad. It's, There's it's no, like, I'm not arguing that at all, I promise. It's the kind of thing where you could buy like a paint by numbers and make it look like Starry Night, but it really isn't Starry Night. That's what this music is like. It like it sounds like music and feels like music and tastes like music, but it really is just chemicals. I I feel like you know I feel like, like one of us um threw their back out or something. It's just a little cranky. <laughs> Do you guys sense cranky. that? Hey, I, my back knew. No, no, no. no. Hold on. Coming, I'm going to so call a timeout right here. We cannot have medical update on 50 years of music or 50 years of <laughs> I'm going to talk about not my... Okay. Gonna... <laughs> Completely not okay. There is no medical update section. There's definitely a how to promise your porns coming in 2003. <laughs> All right. Oh, my <laughs> oh, we'll move on. Funny. But ladies and gentlemen, that, that song was the Grammy winner for Song of the Year. Uh, and the number one hit. So we don't have a, another number one hit coming. It's it's it. It's Santana and Rob Thomas. One stop shop. Unbelievable. Oof. 
It was true? the biggest song no of that year. No Scrubs by TLC was the number one hit this no, year? No, it was not. What about that your friends? That song's much better. I like yeah, no Oh, that Scrubs. song's a banger. The girls, I mean, the girls still love that song. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, like all right. So 1999, let's, do we need to talk Y2K? Let's do it. Pass. Yeah. Uh, okay, kids. <laughs> there was this computer thing. Um, <laughs> ben Barton, explain away. Y2K. I'm going to tell the longest version of the story, Timmy, and you can cut it out. Okay. All right, so okay. I wrote this article about oh, playgrounds. And the point First of all, the he article, did, and it's a great – can we just say it's a great article. I highly recommend it. The point it. of the article was – century playgrounds. The, part of the point of the article was a lot of people criticize modern playgrounds because they're too safe, they replace the old playgrounds, and then they blame the lawyers. They think that lawsuits created the modern playground. Uh But in fact, that's not true. It's social mores. But even aside from that, the modern playground is actually a significant upgrade on the old playground. If you played on a playground that had a cement floor and a seesaw and a jungle gym, you know what I'm talking about. There's no blessing of a skin knee on the cement playground. (laughs) I promise you. So... um, And I used Y2K as a metaphor for this, which is basically they had this panic about computers. And there was that if you had, instead of a full four year year thing, you had two, a two digit year thing. So it went 72, 73, 74, 75. And then when it got to 99, they didn't know what was gonna happen because it was gonna turn over from 00 to 01 and it might've crashed everything. And the reason why this happened, and this is similar to the crappy old playgrounds, is when they wrote this code, they were like, sh- like we're writing this in 1975. Surely yeah. we'll be like replaced by robots and the- we'll be in flying cars by 1999. We're going to party like it's 1999. But the fact of the matter is crappy yeah. stuff just lingers. Like nobody replaces it if it's crappy. It just sort of sits there for a while. And then when they get around to replacing it, sometimes you get something awesome. Like when they replaced all of these computer programs and actually it was a huge explosion. That was part of the reason why that early 2000 period was a period of a, of a lot of growth. Wow. Good stuff. You know, a great example of that is the New York subway system where they still have to like make all the parts and replacement parts by hand. There's only two or three places that can make it and they're running out of the reserves. And there's going to come a point where they cannot fix the system because they cannot manufacture the parts needed to fix the system. Right. And you huh. know, when they, built that thing, they were like, well, this, they'll be flying cars by the time we need to upgrade this thing. And it's about nope. to face like this trillion dollar issue where the trains are against so literally not going to have parts to, to fix them. There's a there's a Y2K subway thing about it coming sooner than later. But well, that's really depressing. I'm cheering you up, Timmy. <laughs> I just came home refreshed, got a little sun, a little fresh air. Um, all right, 1999, the population hit six billion. What's our population Ooh. right now? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's a great question. I'm going to say 7.3 billion. 
Oh, do I get to do prices right style? No, because yeah, I don't have do. an answer. I, I was just oh. I was you're the worst. You would know. Tim, you cannot do this anymore. You're did the freaking you about- host and you ask the questions. <laughs> did I tell you about did my it, vacation? There's all a right. thing called Google. Look it up. I'm, I got first it. of all it's seven point seven and a half. Seven point five nine four. Seven point five nine four. That's the actual answer? Yeah. As of two thousand eighteen. Oh, okay. So, but you said 7.5 and I would have gone 7.5 plus I one. Said, so I, I, I would have won that. I said 7.3 and you win. Very nice. I like it. We've I got, like it. Uh, I like it. although I would have gone much higher. I thought it was going to be eight or nine. Yeah. The, the introduction of the Euro. That's exciting. Oh, I, you know hold on. Time out. You know, what's incredible. When what? this podcast, when this podcast started, world population was 3.6. Now it's 7.6. In that's amazing. Years. Huh? That'll cheer you right up, Jeepers. And we're still, <laughs> and we're still dealing with this New York City subway. Golly. Um, <laughs> all right, I have a question for you, and I know the answer. Bertrand right. Picard and Brian Jones circumnavigated the world in 1999 in what? Oh, it's an air balloon, right? Oh yeah, Ben Barton with the hot air balloon. Uh, yeah. No stops. No stops. That's incredible. You right. you know, by the way, they pooped off the side. I was, I was gonna say <laughs> that's my first follow-up question. Wait, Bags they didn't, they didn't keep you. it. You can't fly a balloon for like two fifty <laughs> days and carry your poop they with you. It. it was definitely <laughs> raining poop. <laughs> for sure. Wait, you don't but know you this do for sure. I need I to, to lock lock it in, baby. All right, lock it I, in. I'm, I'm speculating, but I will take any bets about whether those dudes <laughs> pooped over the side. Is it is it into a bag and then fling the bag or is it literally? Oh just no no, free that air? would be worse because then a bag could actually hurt somebody. The poop like breaks apart and then it's just like a little oh, poop yeah, sprinkle. Sure it does. Okay, all right, <laughs> we're gonna go to uh, our impossible question here for 1999. It's not oh, where do those guys poop? <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> I've got four television shows that debuted in 1999. You pick the one that has been the uh, most influential on American culture. American culture. Ready? Oh, yep. do we get to, what you want us to guess what the shows are? Or you're going to tell us the shows. Oh, I was going to tell you the four shows. All right. All right. West Wing, The Sopranos, Family Guy, or SpongeBob SquarePants. Which of those four shows has had the biggest impact on American culture? Like SpongeBob by a mile, that's an easy one in my mind. Like, like the the kids that I'm teaching today, the only cultural reference that they get that reaches the entire class is SpongeBob. Really? Oh that's, yeah, that's, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeff, do you agree? I was going to say The Sopranos just because I think it's uh, it reintroduces the idea of uh, amoral antihero as the person you root for. And uh, which I is feel now like, every uh, show. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's everywhere, and frankly, has invaded, you know, politics, personal lives. So I was going to say the Sopranos. Jeff, have you seen SpongeBob? Yeah, I like SpongeBob. He's, I've ne- I've never seen an episode. You've never seen an episode. Of or the movie? You haven't seen the SpongeBob movie, which is it must, great. It there is. Was a movie? It's funny. Really? Oh, you should show it to your kids. They'll love it. All I mean, right. the younger ones. The Sponge bigger ones are too late. You're having to write that down. Oh, it's I sponge, always write notes to myself. with an E. SpongeBob. <laughs> All right. 
Um, Lance Armstrong wins his first Tour de France. Yay. <laughs> I, uh, I, think I, you mean, I think you mean he won his first chemistry competition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's I, you know, I really feel bad for is Greg LeMond. Greg LeMond was that, yeah. you know, the American who was, he was the Lance Armstrong before Lance. And the whole right. time, Lance, and he's like, he's doping, he's dirty, he's dirty. And America just vilified him. Like, oh, yeah. you're, you know, he's, he's a sore, sore loser. loser. And, I mean, if I were Greg LeMond, I wouldn't talk. I mean, anybody tried to talk to me like, hey, Greg LeMond, I'd be like, yeah, and screw you. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to anybody. <laughs> For the rest of my life, I would just I would chew on that righteous indignation for a really long time. Uh, Jack Kevorkian is sentenced uh, to prison for second degree murder, and the Columbine massacre occurs. Oh. Oh, which for right. us, were, were you, we're all teaching at that time. Are you teaching yet, Ben? Are you practicing? Yeah, I'm in law school, but yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. so all all three of us. Uh, <laughs> We're surely struck by that day and what happened in that school in Colorado. And the aftermath. That's been amazingly influential in the worst possible way. Yeah. Say, say more. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, that was like a real, that was a water watermark. And then like, like I put all of the deaths of despair. Like I put the suicide, I put the ODing, uh, the addiction to pain pills and the shooting up schools all in the same stuff. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, America's reaction to that, which was like, and eh, we can live with this. I mean, that's why we are. Oh, no, no, we are. hold on. We can live with that if we put police officers at every school, especially in schools with mostly minorities' kids. Like, it was right. like the worst possible combination. Worst of possible reaction we could have possibly had as a nation. And then we, and we've doubled, tripled, and quadrupled down on it. There was a, a new gun control bill that came out of that massacre. Uh, it was rejected for going too far. Whoops. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's all I got. But I do have to make amends for something that happened last week. Um, this is a regular feature. I like yes. this better than medical update. It's where you're I like, too. hey, you remember that thing I said about history last thing? That sure. was weird. I strangely got that wrong. <laughs> well, Ben, you won't be able to identify with this because you have a family who actually listens to your podcast. Uh, neither Jeff nor I's family listen. Uh, but last week, um, I'm down in the basement and my wife was in the kitchen with the door to the basement open. So she heard me talking about how, although Hesitating Beauty was our wedding song, we've both kind of come to the understanding that California Stars is really our song as a couple. That was actually news to my wife. Uh, and when I, I went up Hold to on, Tim. I think you want to refer to her as your beloved wife. Just, yes, thank just an you, edit. Thank you. My beloved wife was uh, was surprised by that news, and, and it turns out that "Hesitating Beauty" is still our song. Uh, Jeff Simons, would you give us thirty seconds of "Hesitating Beauty" for my beloved? I don't know wife. if I will. I don't know if I will, because it hurt my feelings, too, since I played this <laughs> wedding, and then you froze me out as well. And also, I Tim, guess. you can tell us, you're in the basement here. You live in the basement now? Is For that what while, happens? Yeah. Like, this <laughs> is like where you live now? Until this Blink. podcast airs. Blink twice if you need food. No, here we go. Here's Hesitating Beauty. Bye. 
sparkling cocky smile I've walked a million miles Begging you to come and wed me in the spring Why do you, my dear, delay What makes you laugh and turn away You're a hesitating beauty, no Lovely. Oh, so great. So great. I love I that song. I actually like that one better than California Stars. And I love my wife. So that all worked out very, very well. <laughs> now let's go to the invitation to cynicism. Gentlemen, we are leaving the 90s. And I can't believe this idea didn't come to me at the end of the 70s or the end of the 80s. But we're leaving a lot of bands behind. Bands that we might... Um, uh, associate with the 1990s that they were big and they they had a, a following like you guys maybe chose Pearl Jam or chose Radiohead but there were people in the world who chose these bands instead so I'm gonna play a 10 second clip of a song you all are gonna name the band See who goes first. See who gets Wait, it first. This isn't going to be like when you played your like neo soul stuff and it was like champagne and nobody had ever heard of any of those songs, right? You actually chose songs I've heard of? I, I think so because I've chosen songs that you might just loathe. Um, but I don't know. I, it, it's interesting. I've, just, I've got 10 quick clips. Uh, you're either going to give snaps. Like, yeah, let's play this on our road trip across country in 1999. Did any of you go on a road trip in 1999? Uh, no, I did. I, I, oh, yeah, maybe I did. Yeah, I did drive across. So you can either give snaps, yes, let's have this song on our ride, or meh, uh, or beat it. That's skip, that song's yeah, not going skip, on skip, our skip, ride. Skip. Got it. All right, here we go. Ready, set, share screen. We'll stop others' computers. I'm going to continue. <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> Grandpa, <laughs> you're murdering us. Um. All right. What are you seeing right now? Nothing. But let's hear it. I don't, I don't like your attitudes right now. All right, ready? <laughs> it's One, bad energy. I agree. Two, We're not off to a good start. Three. I got it. What do you got? That's Blink One Eighty Two, isn't it? That is indeed. Uh, what do you got? Snaps? Meh. Beat it. I'm not. Eh, fine. It was Georgia fine. It was loves like a- Georgia loves Blink One Eighty Two. She's super into emo, and that's one of her favorites. But I do not like that band. Yeah, I didn't even know they were emo. Okay, all right, here we go. Next one. It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. You don't really know why, but you. <laughs> First of all, these guys are poets and didn't know it. That was great. Was that like um like a limp biscuity kind of an event? That was indeed the limp biscuit. That's Excellent. Um, that made me really happy. <laughs> yeah, me too. What do you got? Just just days. Days. I don't know how I missed that one. Are they coming on uh, the road trip? Oh God, no! I hated limp biscuit. All right. They did it all for the nookie. Isn't that that band? <laughs> All right, you here can we take go. A cookie and stick it in your ass. I believe that's the <laughs> chorus of their biggest hit. All right, here we go. Next. Oh, it's just the Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls. Isn't it, it is indeed it's the Goo Goo Dolls 
from Buffalo, New York. I'm waving my hands like, ah, ah I've got it, I've got it. Can you not see me? Because I, I could see you. I just wanted to okay. keep playing. <laughs> um, are they coming on the road trip? No. No, no luck. All right. No way. Here we go. Oh, this boy. This one. Ready? I want to see the visceral reaction. Oh, collective soul shine. I love this song. I love that song. Wait, you really it's do? so stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's got that weird little like thing on the vocal. I used to do that all the time. Like when something would make me happy, like if I like went into a quickie mart and they had the candy I wanted, I'd pick it up and go, and do like that little collective noise. <laughs> I love that song. It's so stupid, but it's great. Collective soul, thumbs up. All right. Uh, ben Martin, it's like 3-0 right now. Oh, dude, I'm not going to win this against Jeff. All right, ready? All right, it's 15 seconds. I had that one. Wow. That's the best song you've played yet by far, too. It's embarrassing. Oh, that song sucks, too. That's the... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Late late '90s. These were. It's ever something ever last. Is that who it is? It is three eleven. Three eleven. Oh okay. God, yeah, these guys are horrible. All right. Yeah. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't oh, cut it as a poor man stealing. Tired of living like a blind man. Uh, it's Nickelback coming on our road trip. God, Nickelback. <laughs> I thought that might be the '99 song. By the way, I thought it was gonna be a Nickelback song. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I thought it could have been stained. No E. That's a big drum sound. Nothing so loud. Nothing so loud. Toad the Wet Sprocket. Toad the Wet Sprocket. Jeff's an old school Toad the Wet Sprocket guy. I like Toad. We've op- I think opened- you dragged me to a Toad the Wet Sprocket show, and I was like, I'm not feeling it. So, first of all, I've opened for Toad three or four times. Okay. They're super nice dudes. Glenn, the lead singer, is uh, a really good friend of two of my good friends. So, like, we're transitive property acquaintances. And okay. uh, they're still very good. Like, I, um, and I don't love them. Like, they only have like three or four songs. And I'm like, oh, I love the song. But uh, I always Toad, get them confused. I got no, with, um, I got no problem with Toad the Wet Sprocket. What, what's, the, what's the group that has the song where the placenta falls to the floor? That's live. Okay, and I always get them confused. They're much more irritating to me from Erie, Pennsylvania. Live. Anytime you can work placenta into a stirring... Okay, I'll, I'll move on. Ready? I don't think it's a, that's probably a, 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 not a, sh- a word that shows up in a lot of top 40 hits, yeah. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cock your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since Ben Martin, who's that? <laughs> I know that song backwards and forwards. I can't say the artist. Who is it? Bare Naked Ladies. Bare oh, yeah. Or whatever the hell he says. That stuff's just unfair. I hated that one. All right. This one is hard, but there were, there were kids uh, I taught in Vegas who were very into this band. Um, here we go. Let's see if you can get it. Who is it, Jeff? I don't know. I know that song now. Is it Everlast? It is Incubus. 
Incubus, right? Good luck with that. That's the whole generation of those weird, that weird, like, uh, metally rock, like, uh, right. stained, stained with no E, and, uh, and then it gets really dark, like with Slipknot, and they're all wearing the right. Uh, uh, Creed, I would put in that category right. as well. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Fair. Totally. Um, all right, last one in our trip through the late 90s. All of these bands are Everlast. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's so true. It's so true. Who's that? Sublime. That, that Sublime. was Sublime, yeah. That's awesome. Are they, Jeff Simons, are they going on our road trip? Oh, God, no. And boy, my kids, my, my California kids love Sublime. They were the biggest band at the, at the high school where I teach for three years running, for sure. Why is they that? Have, Oh, because they were—they had that kind of SoCal fake reggae. It was like if you pushed the Red Hot Chili Peppers through Jack Johnson's backyard. And oh, that's sprinkled, fascinating. Sprinkled a little, a uh, little extra stupid on them. I mean, it was like easy, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it required nothing of you, and it was a little bit edgy, like it would annoy your parents and require nothing of you. you know? Right. He has some bad words at times, I believe. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he's another one of the lead singers who like, who drugged himself to death, right? When I mean, like he's like Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon yeah. and and them, and there's a bunch of those dudes who completely uh, packed it in right after the record or right before the Gin Blossoms guy, like yeah, a series of bands that like right at the precipice, the lead singer, uh, you know, all in the '90s, um, so- accidentally or deliberately left us. So many bands could have been on this. I just went with 10, uh, 10 fun names, but I left out Savage Garden, The Presidents of the USA, Soul well, like Asylum, them. Queens of the Stone Age, Faith No More, Temple of the Dog. Lots of bands kind of had their moment in the 90s and didn't seem to carry it over into the next century. Oh, the Queens did. I disagree. Queens of a Stone Age. Oh, yeah. Totally. They're really? not even close to their peak. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. a Queens of the Stone Age record from the 2000s that's just a shredder. All right, I'm on it. Let's get to our three songs. Our three songs. So things are going to get a little, little quiet on my end. I'm looking and I might have four ballads in a row coming up which is really uncharacteristic me because i'm the guy who doesn't like the slow songs this is also the only cover song i've chosen so the, this is an artist doing someone else's song thank this you my song for 1999 for that definition that's what a cover song right like so <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's good stuff anyway there. um hold on 1999 hold on. this uh, <laughs> is a, uh there's a singer-songwriter from England, and uh, he got signed in the rush of the Britpop ph- phenomenon, 92, 93, 94. Puts out a couple of EPs and a couple of records. They sell very modestly in England, and they do absolutely nothing overseas. In fact, after the first record, the American company that has the right to release his records passes. So they're European-only releases 
um, and his, his career is coming to an end. And his manager basically says to him, look, if this record isn't a hit, you're done. Like you need to deliver the goods. Um, and he goes home and he looks at his, and he looks at the songs he's written. He doesn't think they're any good. And, and he calls his manager back and he says, look, let's just give up. Like, I, I can't take the humiliation of, of pouring my heart into another record. And he says, look, I've heard these songs. If you just believe in yourself and do this, do this right. I promise you in three years, I'll be booking you at Madison square garden, but you have to believe in yourself and you have to make the record. And so he, rather than go into the studio, which has not treated him well, like the, the, and it's true. Like the production on his first three or four records is thin. It doesn't sound like him. He decides to make a record at home. He buys a drum machine. And this is a guy who'd been recording very, very like straight up rock and roll bass, drums, guitar, he buys a drum machine. He starts working with the loops. He gets his old piano tuned up. He borrows a couple of microphones from some friends and he records the whole thing in his house. Um, it takes him a really long time and he keeps, he keeps going over, going over, going over. And David Gray puts out a record called White Ladder at the very end of 1999 and it explodes. It is a international sensation. And sure, sure enough, at the end of the White Ladder tour, he plays two nights, sold out, at Madison Square Garden. And I think the reason I love this record so much, uh, it hit me at just the right time. Like I, um, part of it was just the, um, I moved right when I, I bought this record. And so everything's in boxes. And the only CD I had out was the CD that was in my car, which is what letters. So when I moved into my new place, I, you know, I set up the stereo system and I was like, I got to see if it sounds any good. And I just had White Lantern and I realized like, I just started listening to it every day and I just started to like, and I had kind of half paid attention to it. Like I'd heard Babylon on the radio and thought it was kind of catchy, but the, the secret to the record is just how, how dark and interior all the best songs are on it. But I think the best song on it is the last song on the record, which is a cover of a total throwaway song from the early eighties. It was a band called soft cell that yeah. had a, a one hit wonder with a remake of an old Motown hit called Tainted Love. And it came out on a record called um, the, uh, something like a nonstop erotic cabaret. And they were like <laughs> a synthesizer duo. They were like two British nerds. And, uh, and I thought their, their record was terrible except for Tainted Love, which I, I is still my go-to karaoke song, but there's a song on there called <laughs> Say Hello, Wave Goodbye. And Gray completely Ugh. reinvents it and turns it into the last song in the record. This is my longest pick by far this, this song's nine minutes long all the rest of the songs on the record are very carefully compactly put together like they're all three and a half four minutes they're all like every little bleep bloop little strum is really well chosen this song reminds me uh tim of everything i like about van morrison yeah um but it doesn't have the kind of uh, kind of show-offy, jazzy thing that Van is sometimes guilty of. Like, there's nothing about this vocal that's trying to be anything other than communicative. Um, and I, I you have to flip a coin between This Year's Love, which is the other song on White Ladder that I absolutely can't get enough of. But if I'm really honest, like, the song that uh, I would always want to hear again as soon as it was over, even because of its length, and is my pick for 1999, is... The cover of Soft Cells, Say Hello, Wave Goodbye by David Gray. Say Hello, Wave Goodbye by David Gray.
of the pink flamingo crying in the rain. It was a kind of so so love, and I'm gonna make sure it doesn't happen again. You and I had to be the standing joke of the year. You were a runaround, a lost and found, and that found me half here. I love that last line. They, I, I never knew you. You never knew me. And take a look. Take a look at my face for the last time. But I love that one. That's a great one. Great stuff. This is a tough one. I, I'm not going to go as hard as I have in the past when I disagreed. But this is one of those records that Jeff just continuously recommends to me, and I never get. Oh, really? And this song in particular is a nine-minute song that just doesn't interest me. Uh, oh, wow! And like. Like basically, like when you're just an acoustic guitar and singing in nine minutes, you've got to be Bob Dylan or you've got to do the iron and wine Bon Iver thing where you add a bunch of flavor to it. Things are looping, different things are happening. This song just, I, I, I promise you, I've given this song more than multiple <laughs> tries and it's just never happened for me at all. I, four minutes in, I'm just like, is this still happening? <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. And it's just David Gray. Is he recording this in his apartment as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's recorded on like a, just a home. It's a digital, it's a pretty fancy rig, but I mean, it's just like, it's 1999. Everybody's got a fancy rig in their house now, right? Like everybody right. can. But uh, in 99. Yeah. It, and he got great sounds. I mean, like it's a great sounding record, I think. But uh, so, so you've just come off a year where you've done something similar. You played all the instruments on your album. I did. Yeah, What's, but I went to a studio and did it. I didn't do it in my house because I don't have the technical expertise to get them to get things to sound good. So, what are the strengths and weaknesses of doing it by yourself versus doing it with a band? I, th- I mean, I think the strength is you don't have to explain what you want to anybody. It's all in your head, and you can just you can record much faster. The weakness uh-huh. is um, sometimes you're your own worst enemy, and you know I, I was really fortunate to have a guy they're helping me who who we developed enough of a rapport where he could be like that's too much or are you sure about that like he, <laughs> he wouldn't tell road. me yes or no but like i you know he, he would uh ask I questions could tell by his level of enthusiasm for putting on another <laughs> thing whether i had i was gilding the lily you know so. okay yeah i love that album ben you don't like uh, babylon no huh. 
I said, short answer, no, I don't like the whole record. Wow. What about a second record? Worse yet. I just never liked him. I don't See, that's, a, that's the thing is that I don't, uh, this is it for me. Like, there's some magic to this that totally touches me. And then, like, I like two or three songs on all the other records, but I like them, like, fine. Like, there's no other David Gray material that has even come close to matching White Ladder. It's a once-in-a-lifetime. And frankly, he's guilty of some really, like, syrupy crap in the last... Like, as he gets older, he gets he's leaning into his worst impulses, I think. Huh. And Jeff, didn't you mention this record before? Isn't this your divorce record? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Uh, so when you're, was, when you're moving, is that the move? No, it's the thing. Oh. Is, like, the problem is it's like we were, that's the moving in together, like just got married. But like, oh. you know, there was a reason why my subconscious was like, you better start listening to this one and not the <laughs> one that's like, everything's great. You know, yeah. <laughs> Chronicle of a Death Foretold. That's right. Oh, wow. perfect. That's exactly right. So, I mean, yeah, I get it. It's not Ben's thing. It's like, you know, yeah. I, um, although it is funny, like it is Ben's thing in the sense of the the way it's recorded, the instrumentation. But uh, you know, it's funny with singer songwriters. Sometimes they just absolutely knock you out, and sometimes they just don't. And they well, can be very similar to one another, and you can have really different reactions depending on whether you just connect with the 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 voice and the sound and the songs. Or you don't, it's you funny know? you say that because I almost went with Amy Mann uh, for this year, 1999. And I've tried to play Amy Mann for my daughter. I'm like, here's this great woman. She's uh, independent as I'll get out. She's a great artist. Go ahead. Listen to her. Like no, nothing. My daughter wants nothing to do with Amy Mann. All right. Ben Barton. What do you got for us? I had a really hard time this year. I had a full-on three-way tie for first. Wow. All right. I'm going to we... go through the two that I didn't choose. Okay, please. Party Up DMX is the most influential hip-hop rap <laughs> song of five years before and five years after it. Party Up? Yeah, Bump, it's the absolute peak of gangster rap, and it's so cartoonish and over-the-top. It's not even gangster rap anymore. <laughs> it's like not even no. a real life. It's just like <laughs> – shooting people in the club and then shooting them after the club and then dancing on them. And there's a bunch of misogyny in it too. And it's a banger, but I pitched this to my family and they were like, no, that can't, no, not okay with that. Good call family. Good call. Second tie for second. And all of these are really influential songs is I try by Macy Gray. So oh, it's in a different way. This is That's a retro soul. Yeah. This is a retro soul act. And that song is a banger. It sounds like 1972, but remixed. And I try, that song has basically come out every two or three years, like Girl yep. Put Your Records On. Like there's just a bunch of versions of that song and it's great. Yep. Instead, I settled on the beginning of the Riot Girl era, Decepticon by La Tigre. So Kathleen Hanna is in Bikini Kill. Okay. And she's the beginning of this female punk thing. And she is just like, oh, like, oh, where's Waldo? She's seen everywhere in the scene. So the first couple of Bikini Kill records are, are uh, produced by Ian McKay of Fugazi. She plays with Fugazi. She's the actual person who named Smells Like Teen Spirit. She and Bikini Kill are drunk in Kurt Cobain's right, apartment. Right. They tear the apartment up. She writes, Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit on his wall. And that's uh -huh. how he names the song after that. Um, so she's just like around, bouncing around. Bikini Kill breaks up. She creates La Tigre. 
Here's her own description of it. Punk feminist electronic genre, which is just perfect. And also describes a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the 2000s. Like this is such a forward looking song and it's such a forward looking sound. I love it. Decepticon. Decepticon by La Tigre. Who took the bomb? song it's a banger and also i love like here's what i like about it and this is what i particularly like going on into the 2000s one of the things that's best about rock music is where you reboot it with a different point of view with a similar sound so this is that perfectly like the that guitar part is like mc5 it's like 30 years old but then they add in the weird claps later on there's this weird sample part where she goes how are you thanks how are you over and over again like it's super weird and loopy with the electronic on top of it um and then the lyrics are super angry like in some ways in a traditional male way but it's a complete flip on its head so basically the song's about sleeping with a male in a band that sucks and so there's a later part of where she's like uh, your lyrics are like a linoleum floor and I walk on it and I walk all over you. Like she's so mad. <laughs> she hates this guy so much. So good. I oh. love it. Yeah, it's a killer. Never heard it before. Never. I thought it was great. I mean, it scared me. I'll admit it, but I thought it was great. Yeah, this was the Georgia call and Georgia's got a little bit of the riot girl, angry female. And so I Go just- Go Georgia. I do, find, uh, I do wish your voice was a little bit less like in that higher register, I, I, there's something about my my tinnitus and my inner ear damage that her vocal hurts. I wish it hurt less, but like I actually, I find Bikini Kill hard to listen to. Not in the not in the ways that most people mean. Like literally, her voice hurts my ears because of the hearing damage I have, which I, is a it bums me out because I really like Slater Kenny and Bikini Kill, and I and, and but I actually have to like. I have to not listen to it for like half an hour. Or I get like a really bad headache, which Wait, I, I'm is, sure there's some kind of symbolism in there. But it well, yeah, really Bikini is Kill is the beginning of it all. Bikini Kill yeah. goes on as later Kenny and Latigre. Oh, um, yeah, totally. And like it's like and like the beginning of this entire thing. It's super awesome. It's a great. It's such a great story of just doing it yourself and creating a 
fantastic sound and yep so is this who um who jeff tweedy called like they were going to go on tour before COVID hit is that the wilco was going to go on tour with slater kenny no yeah Yeah. i don't know possibly good talk all right (laughs) that was you knowing something you should stick it to us shit (laughs) i blew it all right good stuff let's go uh to 2007 and i'm driving uh in a car in tennessee it's late at night and i've been at a music festival for a few days and there's this inane argument going on in the front seat between my best friend and this guy I've met a couple times, and they're going on and on about the Rolling Stones. And it's getting into like the most insane minutia of like specific songs and specific guitar parts and specific lyrics. And I'm like, oh my God, these guys won't stop talking. It was remarkable. That sounds great. Really, what a lovely <laughs> memory. <laughs> As I'm just looking out in the Tennessee night. And gentlemen, I realized that that was the year that our podcast started. Really, way back in 2007 in Ben's car. Um, just me listening to you guys riff. Luckily, I've kind of curtailed the Rolling Stone angle on the conversation to expand to other bands, which is really great. And you're the glue guy, Timmy. You're the glue guy. That's right. right. You're right. I'm the glue guy. I almost opened up the car door in the back and just rolled out into the Tennessee highway. Dear God. (laughs) Now you're stuck. That's the problem. Now now you have to stay stay here and hold us together. It was at Bonnaroo where we went and we saw Gogo Bordello. And uh, they were on a, a side stage and we had backstage passes and he's on stilts or something. And then there's this giant drum that he gets on and stand as the audience holds up the drum and he starts dancing on it. And I was looking at you two. I'm like, these guys are crazy. And then I look across like 15 feet, feet away is Elijah Wood. And I'm like, Frodo right. is backstage yeah, I, at Coco Bordello as well. And I went up, remember I went up and talked to him. I'm like, hey, they're yeah. pretty good. He's like, thanks. I just signed them. It was like he was there. It's like he was running his own boutique label with the Frodo money and he just signed them. <laughs> Like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. <laughs> so great. I had never heard of them before Bonnaroo. Um, and we went to the stage and I was blown away. I send this video to my students every year. It comes out in 1999. It Start does? Start Wearing Purple. Start Wearing Purple by Gogol Bordello. Start wearing purple, wearing purple. Start wearing purple for me now. All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish. I promise. It's just a matter of time. So, yeah. Since you were a 20 I was 20 
Hipster dog, you! I thought I only know this song from the 2005 version when they re-recorded it. I had no idea this was a way was back when of their original like indie record. Yeah. Well done, sir. He survived Chernobyl. That's what he tells everyone. Yeah. <laughs> he survived the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, and then formed a band with a Guatemalan percussionist, a bassist from Brooklyn who's African-American, a Russian fiddler, uh, a Chinese backup singer. I mean, we've seen them. Have you seen them besides Bonnaroo? Uh, yeah, I saw them once at the Fillmore. Well, how were they? They were fantastic. They're just like a rollicking, yeah, I mean, it's like a Benetton ad, like... <laughs> run amok with like acoustic <laughs> guitars and just yeah it, i love them it's like a my, my go-to gypsy go-go punk, song they call is, it yeah i might go to go-go song is american wedding do you know that one yeah i do yeah i love american wedding that one cracks me up <laughs> ben have you, see, have you seen them since bonnaroo oh that's it man they were great though oh uh, all right well gentlemen final thoughts on 1999 the end of a decade Again, How crazy. You know, I'm end, coming out end of a end of a century, a millennia. It's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'm coming at you next week with baby names. So start <sighs> start putting your baby name hat on. <laughs> I can't even remember. Who, it's it's Michael every year. That's I'm going to go yeah. with Michael. I can't even That's remember. I'm I know gonna, for sure. I know. It's in there. <laughs> oh, by the All way, right. the, I looked up the Queens of the Stone Age song is six 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 from 2007. Yeah. I'm not going to have that as my song for that year, but that is a banger. It's a six six six. Just six, six, six. I am writing that down. Maybe it'll be mine. You never know. Jeff, play us the first time? 10 seconds of that song. You, like The first 10 seconds will tell you what it's about. Yeah, you ready for this? All this right. Is, this is we'll, we'll sign out on this. Bye, everyone. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. 
Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.